0: Have you seen uh, Alien vs. Predator?
1: No, I never have. I mean, I love Alien and I love Predators. I saw, uh, I saw Freddy versus Jason. uh, (laughs) I, and then like, I I feel like outside of uh, like Kaiju and like Godzilla. Oh yeah. Right. Right.
0: It doesn't really ever happen. Right. The problem is we don't have really good, like
1: villains in movies anymore. Like who are the horror icons of like the last like 20 years? It's like (sighs) that puppet from Saw.
0: Which is really just the do, uh, the, an old guy dying of cancer. Yeah, it's 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 not even the like I, like at least Chucky was like possessed. Yeah, but the Jigsaw. like Jigsaw is just like an old dude who's like a psychopath.
1: Miles, what did you think of Birdie? Let's just jump right in. Sure,
0: that's fine. I didn't really understand it. I mean, I understood it. Like the the plot made sense to me. Okay, I I understood the action happening on screen, but I think I had I just there was, there was like no tone or like rather there was like too many tones. Maybe. Okay. I see you know? that. I see that. Um, and it's also, I, was it someone's passion project. Like, I don't understand what drew someone to like push this through to like production.
1: So I, I, I forgot to watch this until late last night. Um, so it's, it's a bit of a haze to me, but, uh, it, it, it was Alan Parker, the director. I, I don't know if it was his passion project. Alan Parker directed The Wall.
0: Yeah. And also
1: Evita. I've never seen Evita. No,
0: me either. But like, I think that's a, that's an interesting jump. It's like his second most recent credit too. Like he hasn't done Mm. anything in like 20 years. I
1: know. Well, he did, he did Midnight Express and Fame before this. And he did Angel Heart with Mickey Rourke.
0: Dude, Mickey Rourke was on fire
1: in the 80s. He was, he Mm.
0: was in so many good movies. He had such a run.
1: Oh, and he did—he uh, did the Road to Wellville and Angela's Ashes. So, his—but I—it's funny because I like when this movie started. I—I um, I was like, something about this reminds me of The Wall, and uh, and then I like looked him up, and I, and the tone that I saw that was kind of consistent was this kind of like British kind of like drabness. Well, it's another period movie, which is insane because they're just just keep coming.
0: So with the exception of Valley Girl, I think every movie so far has been a period piece. Right. And
1: and the next two movies are going to be period
0: pieces, too. So Nick Cage was just, you know, I think actually Nick Cage has a really good look for period pieces. And I think (laughs) I kind of understand why they kept hiring him. in them.
1: You know, so I kept comparing this movie in my head to Racing with the Moon. Um,
0: I mean, I think it's hard not to do that.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately <laughs> the book that it's based on was set in world war two or, or right after world war two and they moved it from the movie or for the movie up to after Vietnam, which was that just to make it a little more recent? I guess like maybe just for like money reasons, like it would be easier, um, or, or what, but it seems kind of unnecessary
0: yeah it seems arbitrary i feel like there's nothing about the movie that was specifically like vietnam related no. it could have been any
1: war yeah and, and so i mean i guess it doesn't matter either way but like we talked about nick cage's character in racing with the moon coming back and being all like you know he was really excited to go to war and then he it's, but war actually sucks and uh i it, i couldn't help but be like yeah this is probably what happened to that guy and then like i also feel like this movie like the grit in it felt more real to me like this is a deeply flawed movie it's not a lost masterpiece but i really appreciate it and i i think it succeeds in a lot of like i think it try it attempts to do something that's really fucking insane
0: I mean, it's an, insa- it's an, it's an insane it's premise insane. for a
1: movie, and the extent that it succeeds is really admirable. I guess because yeah,
0: I, I think- it succeeds like seventy percent,
1: yeah, I which think so. is still really
0: good for what it's attempting. I I do like the way that it mixed like that really like gritty like working class kids off to war right. kind of feeling with, which I guess comes from his time directing the wall, but those weird like art like artsy sequences yeah. with like the silhouettes mm-hmm. of the birds on the side of the building mm-hmm. and the like and like the dreamy like uh voiceover that happens uh and then the whole scene too where where birdie is like dreaming about learning how to fly yeah and there's the scene of the of the uh i guess it's like a sky cam i don't know what you would call that kind of camera yeah. but it's like flying through the city
1: yeah imdb said it was a skycam, and this is the first use of one in a movie i don't know what a oh, skycam really the is. first yeah, that's yeah
0: the, a, a skycam is like a the reason i was questioning it because i didn't know if they had the technology yet but apparently uh, this, yeah, was the this is the first time first they one. used it it's like a computer
1: controlled you can control the, the camera like with a remote oh um, yeah i'm looking at pictures of it right now oh it's like attached to wires kind yeah of, and yeah they, and they, it gets moved around yeah i i completely agree that like i I understand everything that happened on screen because it is actually a pretty straightforward story um but it also felt kind of like two different movies in terms and the movie of al nick cage's character trying to convince trying to help birdie in the hospital like i really liked that movie it's like weirdly surreal it it does feel like the wall a lot and more stylized i think yeah. uh this i felt like the stakes of it and and then the other the other movie of yeah the these boys becoming friends and bertie is like weird and uh was more hit and miss for me
0: i think they almost did themselves harm by framing it in in the flashback sequences mm-hmm. i think that they should have followed it chronologically honestly yeah. like i think that it it would have been a much slower start Right. Getting into the getting into it. But I think I think the payoff, I, I would, think have the payoff would have been way better. I think you're right. Than if they had like lined it up the way that they did. Which for anybody listening who hasn't seen it, so uh essentially uh Matthew Modine plays someone named birdie who's nickname birdie right. whose real name we don't actually ever learn. Right. But he is obsessed with pigeons and birds in general. Yeah. And uh he and Nick Cage were friends when they were teenagers and then they go off to Vietnam and Modine comes back mute and catatonic. Uh, believing that he's a bird, right? And and then Nick Cage spends time trying to like reach him.
1: Yeah, there's there's this d- doctor who's like I don't know what exactly the stakes are. He's like
0: I think it's just that he's either going to be uh, institutional. Li- is- yeah, I, I I think the stakes are literally that are just going to lock him away for the rest of his life. If, he, uh, if unless if Nick
1: Cage can like, can
0: like snap him out of it, yeah.
1: right? And then we get scenes from their childhood. Growing up together and uh, little windows into who who Birdie is. Yeah, I know. I think you're completely right uh, that it if it had been chronological, um, all the hospital stuff would have been allowed to kind of simmer more, and we wouldn't just keep getting pulled out of it back to like. I I mean, and I in, I enjoyed that. It. I mean, I enjoyed it, but that but you're right. That
0: is the movie. The movie of of a uh, war. Damage Nicolas Cage trying to help a psychotic Modine yeah. is the movie that I enjoyed way more than the you know yeah. like ma- youth like,
1: lost to war and, and Matthew Modine is weird and- weird he he like
0: <laughs> the weird the weirdest scene where I like where it totally lost me yeah. was the prom scene yeah, I, I where, where like Matthew Modine gets doesn't even want to go to prom but right. like Nicolas Cage's the, the, girl, the girl that Nicolas Cage is going with, like, sets him up with her friend. Right. So, they go together, and then she drives Matthew Moudine home, and then literally they're sitting in the car, and she takes her dress off, and she's yeah. like, I've never done this before, but you've been really nice to me, so, like, let's do it. And then Matthew Moudine looks at her, like, literally like an alien who doesn't understand what's yeah. going on, and then goes like, no, that's okay. He... He's well, like, first
1: he he grabs her her boob. He well he like lifts it up, kind he doesn't of doesn't like, even
0: grab it. He, he just yeah, he, right. He kind
1: of like cups it and lifts it up as if he's like, huh, and then he's just like, no. <laughs> that, that you you that lost you there
0: yeah because then he goes home and gets naked and sleeps with his birds like perched on his petra. naked body
1: well his he's got kind of a bird wife right um a canary named petra
0: and that and that to me is a weird part okay so maybe you're just awkward and you don't know how to like initiate sex okay fine you're a teenager i'll give you that but then to go home and like and like essentially like have sex with your yeah. bird
1: wife yes that's weird i mean yeah i i i wasn't uh that didn't cross a line for me that i didn't already see coming because i think he has a wet dream earlier like thinking about being a bird or something and so like sex is already kind of in the picture but uh i guess i just missed those cues yeah then. i guess i assumed it was just a regular dream it, it was pretty wet <laughs> i think he like sits up in bed all covered in sweat and like grabs a towel or something and is kind of like hmm okay so i've never read the source novel as i i don't know anyone who has
0: no but i i almost want to after seeing the movie because i I wonder what how the movie handled it
1: from what i've read it it's almost all through like inner monologue and i i assume uh that goes between birdie's inner monologue and Al's during the dream sequences are the only times that there's a voiceover right, and that felt pulled straight out of the book like it's
0: like as if he's actually reading passages yeah, from the book
1: right Matthew Modine as birdie just you know and and it was like kind of it was poetic and with like a moody peter gabriel score oh that's yeah we didn't even say peter gabriel did the whole score
0: dude nick cage's soundtracks seriously (laughs) like like three of the five movies we've watched so far have had like gnarly soundtracks, really good like really good soundtracks (laughs) Yeah,
1: that music really fit this movie it
0: really fit it well and i noticed some themes from some of his solo albums like Mm -hmm. that came out around that time but it didn't feel like they were recycled at all like they fit into the movie really totally. well
1: yeah after watching racing with the moon and uh cotton club i was ex- i was happy to watch a movie that uh, attempted something insane and didn't completely fail and cuz it was insane like i actually a- think the premise
0: of this movie is insane, insane. especially if like Like, it's not just an ambitious idea. It's actually an insane
1: idea. Right. Like, what... So, like, is it about the horrors of war? Is it about, like... Like, I'm kind of not sure why. I mean, it it feels like it was... Not that every movie needs to have some, like, straight, stated, like point right
0: this is why I was saying I didn't understand the tone of it yeah because I couldn't figure out if it was supposed to be like a horrors of war or if it was supposed to be some like dreamy art film uh or if it was supposed to be a commentary on like I don't know how like birds are freer than men in a way or something (laughs) like that you know what I mean
1: it's like it kind of it kind of doesn't have precedent like I don't I don't know what movie I would compare it to you know,
0: I can't. And I think that's, what's so confusing about it is yeah. that it literally exists in a bubble of its own. Mm-hmm. Like they got it from a novel. So I understand like the movie didn't just come out of yeah. nowhere, but, 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 but where did the novel, like, where did the idea for the novel come
1: from? You know, have you ever seen or read uh Johnny got his gun? No, no. Um, that's, yeah, it's about a, a guy who is injured in war so that he is blind, deaf and dumb. And I think he loses loses his arms and legs and he's just and uh he's in the hospital and can kind of needs to like communicate with the people in the hospital that he is you know still there and Dalton Trumbo wrote it the the book and the screenplay and it's really good and it's like this this movie reminded me a bit of that because it's so interior and there's like kind of like surreal little like Uh, sequences and but that movie is as like kind of like high concept as that is like is a lot more straight right yeah right Uh, i mean i just the character of birdie is not a character that you it's not a character type that we see he's i mean if i was gonna diagnose him from an armchair psychiatrist perspective he seems somewhere on the autism spectrum extremely i like, think y- you know he and also possibly like disassociative yeah and
0: like probably narcissistic yeah i don't know there's there's an there's a number of i actually am interested i wonder if like any site like psychiatrists have seen this movie and yeah. like are willing to talk about how like to actually diagnose that character birdie it's it's really bizarre and i think that one of the problems with the movie was that you couldn't relate to him.
1: Yeah. And, and it doesn't, and I, I was thinking about this too, because so much of the movie is kind of from Al's point of view. And we're supposed to, I think like birdie and in a, understand him to an extent, like understand this is, you know, you really like birds and you're nice, you know, but, um, but no, yeah, we don't, you don't really get inside of his head to a point where you, you you know... Feel
0: empathetic with him at all.
1: Yeah, because he is so strange. And is that by design? Like, or is the movie just not succeeding there? Like, you you know, because even... It's an interesting movie, even being on the outside, from Al's point of view, which is, I, I think, again, why the hospital stuff is the kind of the most effective because it's it's okay that Birdie is a complete silent mess because it's that's kind of like the th- it, it becomes a thriller. It's like can we bring Birdie just back down to reality a little right. bit.
0: Right and that's why I wish that they had focused on that
1: mm-hmm. more. Yeah I mean, the, like stuff about, about Al and Birdie being friends is already kind of a stretch because like why is Al friends with him?
0: The whole the whole flashback sequences of them like being kids together, it doesn't add anything to True. to the hospital like the sequences hospital stuff, because you're yeah. already you already assume that they are like best friends right. because why else would Nick Cage be going through all this trouble to try to save him right so that's already like kind of a given mm-hmm. and I think it just muddled... I think the flashback sequences for the most part just muddle it up because mm-hmm. there's the whole sequence with the car and his dad and yeah. Nick Cage's dad yeah, right. where it's like, what does that add to the, to the story of him trying to like rescue his friend
1: or, and then the scene, the scene with, with the with the, with the
0: stray dogs yeah.
1: it almost turns into like a slapstick farce, except they go to the fucking slaughterhouse and you see like animal carcasses. I guess they were goat carcasses, but yeah. they look like dogs right. being like but then, hacked up. Right.
0: But then when they realize that, they let and, the then, dogs and then and then they let the dogs out. It turns it into like becomes, a Keystone Cops. Yeah, it becomes where, <laughs>
1: Beethoven's Fifth.
0: <laughs> it's super weird, and 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 again goes back to like they needed to tighten up the tone on this
1: movie yeah. a little bit. And maybe a, this is why it reminds me of Johnny Got His Gun so much because I I can s- sort of see the novel in my head and see that you know so we have pages and pages of inner monologue and you have to break it up with action and sort of, and give people kind of like uh, a a reason why you're reading all of this, like a sense of place, a sense of their friendship. And so you have these stories of the kids, you know, hanging out together and which uh, are probably pretty anecdotal in the, in the novel, but in a movie like, yeah, we could establish their friendship with you know a scene uh, a flashback scene we don't need all that story to do that work if you strip that away then you just have a a big inner monologue you know so i think it's one of those like i it seems like a book that was probably really hard to successfully adapt and they did he Alan Parker did an admirable job of it. He did, but it's like, but
0: but he could, I feel like he could have just gone the full nine yards and just made like the second two thirds or even the second three quarters of the movie about the hospital.
1: Yeah. Or go or double down on the surrealism. Right. Because the, the extent that this movie is like rooted in reality is admirable because it's insane but it doesn't necessarily serve it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Early on in the movie, so we we get Al meeting Bertie and like really quickly into their friendship, Bertie makes him a costume out of feathers, out of out of feathers, and they're both wearing these these weird like pigeon, pigeon costumes. costumes, and they climb up onto I mean, what what was that? Like like some sort of power plant or something? Yeah. Like, generator really high up birdie almost dies he falls off and uh and al's like Whoa, what are you doing and he's like it's okay al i'm gonna fly and oh it's a, and that's a crazy sequence right um but al- alan parker's good enough that i wasn't i wasn't like this is insane i mean i was like this is insane but i was also i i was going along with it totally you know totally. like he made me believe it but to what end, you know, like,
0: yeah. And okay. So it's that scene. It's, uh, the prom scene and the scene where he goes to buy Petra from the woman. Right. And there's, and he's in the house full of birds. I think we're really the only, like the, like the main, like the three, signposts that we needed mm-hmm. in the like pre-hospital section to really get an idea of like why we should care about this yes. character for the later on in the movie. And I think, I think everything else just muddled it and like yeah. made it overly long.
1: I think you're right. And I mean, going back to the scene where birdie essentially has sex with his canary. I I mean, what a, what a weird <laughs> sentence to say, <laughs> which if you haven't seen it, he really translates into him being naked, crawling into her kind of cage enclosure that's in his room, like going fetal on the floor. And then she like perches on him and he, uh, I I guess comes to some sort of like, sexual fulfillment that is left kind of abstract but uh, you see like silhouettes Thankfully. silhouettes of birds flying on the wall and but uh, yeah but like, also why, why is why? Birdie
0: obsessed with being a bird they right, never they, explain it and I think that I mean I'm, that would have been really nice to know right and you know it doesn't necessarily need to be like a very like literal sure. you know like oh something happened to him in yeah. his childhood that like flipped a switch like I don't think right. you needed to go that route but I would have liked Like some sort of explanation of why all of a sudden this teenager wishes he was a bird, falls in love with a bird, literally ignores every other human relationship in his
1: life except for Al to be and spend time with birds. I mean, it, it, it's like why like no it, one even questions it in the movie like his mom like berates him but no one is like hey what's up with the birds <laughs> do you want to maybe talk to a doctor about about
0: the birds maybe? Yeah. like no one's no one wants to like help him out with like right something that most everyone in his life with the exception of al should perceive as like a serious problem
1: yeah yeah Well, even al like I feel like all of the flashback scenes are are leading up to the scene after the prom where Al yells at Bertie, he finally snaps at Bertie and they uh and then they both separately go off to war, uh their friendship being strained. But that scene starts with Al coming in basically being like, "Hey, you get laid?" like and uh like, "Come on, Bertie, like tell me about it." And he seems like it's like he really expected that to go off without a hitch that what Bertie wanted was to get laid and that like, and that he was going to have bro talk with him. I, I mean, what in their relationship has led Al to think that that's how, how things would go down. Cause I don't think, you know, like Bertie clearly has no interest in humans. He doesn't seem like a sexual being, at least like And I mean, he seems very childlike, you know, it's a movie about their friendship, but There were things about their friendship that was like does does al even understand birdie like why
0: i think they tried to make it too much about birdie's fetish i don't want to call it a fetish but like like birdie's weird bird thing and less about the relationship between the two of them yeah and i think that if they had focused on the relation on their friendship and then had the birdie thing obviously just I mean, obviously it's gonna be a factor. That's yeah. that's the point of the movie. But I think that
1: That shouldn't have been the focus. Right. Like they should exactly. have seen that the through line the emotional through line is not Birdie. birdie wanting, to be, wanting bird. to be a bird.
0: It's the friendship and yeah. and the and the lengths that Al will go through after returning from war and being damaged himself. Yeah. To to helping his friend who when they left for war, they were not on good terms. Right. So it's obvious that like something made him, you know, realize like, oh, he's still my friend and I still have to help him.
1: Yeah. I don't know, man. I I mean, yeah, I I do want to soak in this moment of of like, we're trying to improve on a movie that is without precedent, you know, and that's better than trying to improve on a movie like The Cotton Club that's just a fucking mess that like arguably shouldn't have been made from the beginning because it's derivative and you know, whatever, at least like this, this film,
0: this film succeeded in its modesty,
1: yes. which is more than
0: which the cotton club failed in its extreme it's extravagance. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there, there, are literally flip sides of like the same coin, Yeah, which uh, again, yes, I also want to stress that despite me not quote unquote understanding the movie, <laughs> I, uh, I think it's not, it. it's not
1: a bad movie. You know, it's a movie that I, I'm not sad that I spent two hours watching it. I don't know what I got from it.
0: But there's a lot of movies that I watch where I'm like, okay, I've seen that. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't make me mad that I wasted time on it. It's just like, I don't know if I'll ever watch it again.
1: Yeah. It sort of goes, goes into your head and then leaves. Like this movie is not powerful enough to like make a huge impression in the way it wants to, but it is weird enough um, and succeeds in in like owning its weirdness enough to uh, I think be notable. I think you know Nick Cage was nineteen when he did this movie, which I didn't realize. Um, and because I was like, this is the meatiest role he's had so far. Uh, this is really the
0: first time he's had to pretty much carry a movie.
1: Yeah, and and he does really well. He does a good it. job. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a hard role. It's not, um, it's a lot of him yelling at someone who's comatose basically. And that's, that's a hard thing to carry off. He seems like he's 19, you know, it, it, and, but, but you
0: know what? The character is probably 19. Yeah. So that's why, that's why I think it works. Yeah, exactly. And, and you can tell the thing that he did do really well is you can tell he made a demarcation in the character between being a teenager and coming back from the war he, and, and that is something that I think that someone who's never been to war someone that young, who's never been to war was probably, it took work for him to like decide the characterization before and after.
1: And uh, well, and he did that work in uh, which, so there's this legend around this film that uh, he had two teeth removed to get into the, the role of someone who uh, had like had been blown up in a bomb the reality is that he had two teeth removed just because he needed them removed around that time. Um, but you
0: know what? Like, why not spin it?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it, with with all the method shit that he was doing at the time and, and he was to do in the coming years, like, it fits in with this kind of legend. But what, what he did do was he wore the bandages all the time.
0: Which explains the physicality. The thing that was the thing that really, really, really impressed me Mm -hmm. was the physicality with both him and Mm -hmm. Matthew Modine after they come back from war. Like they really, they really look damaged, and they act damaged, and like even the way that Nick Cage, his face looked really fucked up. Yeah, and I don't know how much of it was makeup and how much of it was him just you know acting with that kind of physicality. Yeah, but like there was a definite difference in in the way that his face Face. or at least what we could see of it right but the the way that his face looked and the way that he talked Mm -hmm. you know i think a lot of acting people think that it's most of its internal work and obviously that's a large part of it but especially in roles where there is like literal, like the character is literally physically different from you. Yeah. I think you can work a lot from the outside in, and 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 I could tell that they did, and yeah. and, and I was really
1: impressed yeah. by it. Right, like I, I mean, from the unauthorized biography of Nicolas Cage, the man behind Captain Corelli, I learned about you know he he kept the the bandages on and would he would like wake up in the night sleeping on one side of his face and be like, Oh no, I can't do that. That's the side that was like hit with a bomb. And he says that, you know, he's glad he went through this kind of phase of being young and being like super method and that now he doesn't need to do it. And, you know, he can kind of like turn it off when the cameras are off. He didn't go to school for acting. You know, he didn't, he, he was just like, he, all of his like kind of experience was on screen like we've seen it we've seen him growing and this is kind of he's just kind of thrown into a really big role and you kind of see him flailing around and doing a pretty good job and uh and if we're going to talk about like you know kind of pretentious like method stuff compared to him stomping around like calling people the n-word um to be like a gangster it's like I don't know this. This makes a lot. Uh, it, it, I think this shows up on screen a lot more. It's impressive. I don't know what Modine did, but uh, he's he's pretty great in this. He's
0: really great. And truthfully, the only other movie that I've ever seen him in was um,
1: Full Metal Jacket. Thank
0: you. I kept yeah. wanting to say Platoon, but that's the other. Yeah, that's the other movie. Um, was Full Metal Jacket right? And he also did another movie which I've never seen called Streamers right before Birdie.
1: That's also like that a is war. also
0: about war. So yeah. I wonder if Modine just has like a thing for like characters in war.
1: I don't think I've seen him in another movie either. Like I know I I know him as just a person, as a famous person, but I don't like yeah, I, I don't know his uh, thing, his his film.
0: It makes me want to watch more Modine movies. Yeah. Like in the way that seeing the Cotton Club and uh rumble made me want to watch like catch up more, on all the coppola, coppola movies yeah. i would never seen now now i want to watch more modine movies or at least see streamers and yeah. maybe like one other one which seemed to be his you know uh publicly uh, acknowledged as his best work
1: oh he was in stranger things
0: really yeah interesting
1: yeah okay i, I i'm curious about him too Danny Glover
0: was apparently supposed to be in Birdie. Did you know that? I did not. But they cut his one scene because he kept flubbing his lines and they, and they, <laughs> and they couldn't get like a passable take
1: of it. Oh man. Yeah. Was he, at, was this like pre lethal weapon?
0: Oh yeah. Cause I think lethal weapon was like 88 or 87 okay. or something. So it was like a good year or two before lethal Interesting. weapon.
1: I also kind of want to watch more Alan Parker movies now because I mean, I don't know how you feel about the wall, but I, I feel,
0: I mean, I haven't seen it since I was in college and like stoned really and like high. went to a midnight screening. So, but it's, uh, it's it was a- cool. I also just don't like that era of Pink Floyd. Oh, so I've, I think I that, it. yeah, I think they dropped off significantly after dark, side, of dark the side or I guess there was, there was like one good album animals? after that. Anyway, we don't need to animals. Animals is the one I like. Animals I think, rules. I think everything post animals I could care less about.
1: So you don't um, like Roger Waters. Solo shit, which is uh, essentially. What I it is. guess
0: it basically is my problem with it. Although I did see him a couple of years ago when he was touring the wall. Yeah. He came through LA and at Staples, I want to say, probably. Yeah. But there was a uh a friend a friend of mine at the time. His uncle like had like a really high up like executive position at Live Nation. Wow. So he like got us like floor seats for it for wow. free. And we sat next to, (laughs) we sat next to Miley Cyrus (laughs) and the whole time she was at the wall and the whole time she was talking really loudly to her friend and they were take. they were both wearing these like big, like puffy, like fur coats that were like imposing into my personal space, like way too much (laughs) for how big they were. And she was taking these obnoxious, like Polaroid pictures of her and her friend the entire time.
1: Oh my God. It was like
0: really, it was a really weird situation. And I, um, anyway, my point being, I'm sure that I'm in the background of some like of Miley Cyrus's Polaroid pictures.
1: <laughs> I wonder if she put them on Instagram. should find you since we're talking about pink floyd the the la- the album after the wall, the final cut is about war, about going to war and coming back really damaged from war and it's one of my favorite Pink Floyd albums. I mean, if you're not down with the wall, I, I don't know if you'd be. I there.
0: mean, I'm always down to listen to a new Pink Floyd album. Check it I, out. Yeah.
1: I I'm very much in the minority. I um, mean, that's fine. But like it's it. I think it's brilliant and kind of has weirdly the same tone as Birdie, um, minus all the bird sex. Oh, but anyway, Alan Parker. He you know the wall is kind of an insane, ambitious, flawed project as an album and as a movie similar like it it succeeds in really crazy ways and um, fails in ways that are um, you know and some of it looks really janky and some of it looks really amazing and um, I mean like I remember the flower sex
0: uh, animation was
1: like really impressive to all me. the animations yeah great but and this movie similarly like there's that scene of the the bird hatching out of the egg was really beautiful when the cat catches Petra and you think it's dead. Yeah. And Matthew Modine holds it and it's in his hand and it's all wet. And the bird like comes back to life basically. Like I was moved, you know? And part of that was, it was shot. Interestingly it. So I'm, I'm curious about like what else he, like I've never seen Angela's ashes. I've seen midnight express. It's, Is it good? it's really good. I've not
0: seen it. Yet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't know. All those movies are really weird. All I remember about Angel Heart is Robert De Niro as Satan rolling a hard-boiled egg on the table and eating it really menacingly, (laughs) and Mickey Rourke running around in a trench coat being upset.
0: I feel like you could boil down most of Mickey Rourke's film roles to, and he's upset. (laughs) And he's
1: upset. (laughs) Um, Let's see. What else uh, do I want to touch on? Oh, Alan Parker apparently uh, is afraid of birds. I don't know. Wait, like, what? How did that work? I don't know. Like, the scene on the porch where there's like 150 canaries flying around. Yeah, like, that's
0: crazy. He, How do you direct that if you're afraid of birds? Yeah, like he, there's he no tried, escaping them. He
1: tried to direct it from like outside, like via remote in the rain, but uh, couldn't and, and uh, bit the bullet. Also, what did you think of the ending where, spoiler, Birdie gets well, seemingly. And um, the doctor is like wants, I don't know. The doctor's freaking out and w- wants to uh, restrain Nicolas Cage for like, for pushing him out of there and, and getting to Bertie's cure without him. And so they run up to the top of the roof and birdie jumps off the roof and Nicolas cage freaks out like birdie no and then like there's a reveal that he didn't jump off the roof and land on the ground and die he jumped onto like a slightly lower roof and he turns around and says what and then the movie ends
0: yeah i feel like that was the kind of thing where they i feel like that was the kind of thing where they like they uh they test screen the original ending (laughs) and then every the audience was like that was stupid or like uh-huh. that's a depressing ending. So then they like tacked that onto the yeah, end. Yeah. Okay. Which I don't know if it was in the script in the beginning or not. I mean, that's how but, it felt
1: to me too, but
0: it feels extremely like they should have either like a shrug. Yeah. And it's also like, I mean, I think they should even have just kept him from like, they, they should have found a different way to end it than him even running up to the roof. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not even a matter of him like jumping off the roof as the ending. I think it just, they just should have figured out a different way to end it than him even like going on the roof at all. Because it like, it, it, seems, it seems inconsistent with his character. Like, he's not just going to, like, commit suicide that way. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing in... I mean, war changes people. Maybe he has, like, extreme PTSD and can't deal
1: with it. And then decides, like, I'm going to fly. I mean, even just the fact that he's, like, kind of cured, seemingly. Like, like out of nowhere? Out of nowhere. And kind of, like, it's kind of like, well, he's cured back to what? He was already, like... He already seemed like someone with PTSD and, and then like, I don't know, is everything better now? It just, it, he almost didn't need to get better. Like,
0: yeah, I, I, I feel like they rushed that ending Yeah, and that they, well, I think it might also come from just the, what, from what we were talking about before of the restructuring yeah. and like cutting out of some of the flashback sequences. I feel like they would have had more chance to explore his recovery if they had taken that route.
1: Totally. You know,
0: it's like, Oh my God, it's been two hours already. We better end this movie, you know?
1: (laughs) Well, uh, next time we will be watching the boy in blue, which I've read described as the Canadian Rocky, except it's about sculling and, uh, it's set in the twenties. Um, and I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, I did, I mentioned last time that, uh, I was going to read a chapter from uncaged, the biography of Nicolas Cage by Douglas Thompson uh, about the rat pack called the gang. I was excited about that, but it's this weird like padding chapter where he just talks about Emilio Estevez and it's almost like fan fiction. Cause he writes about like Rob Lowe and Emilio Estevez and stuff like hanging out, picking up girls, but it, it doesn't, but I, I, skimmed it cause I didn't care. But the, <laughs> there's this one paragraph I want to read uh, about Cage But he, he, Nicholas Cage, could do nothing about his membership of the Brat Pack, which seemed to include everyone in Hollywood of a certain age. Some set the running while others followed. Some just hung out and hoped. It was, remembers Cage, a crazy time. He was madcap rather than crazy, intrigued rather than wild. He was always, it seemed, in search of a character. While some of the other Packers were out to impress those around them with how cool they were, Cage would wander off on his own quirky tangent. I remember one time I went into the Carpeteria, a Californian carpet supermarket showroom on Vine in Hollywood, and made it a point to stay in the store for five hours and talk to all the clerks and carpet salesmen about carpets for as long as I could. I would ask them really stupid questions like, how is shag made? Or what color can I match with this? By the end of five hours, these guys had really started to worry about me, but I left before they could kick me out. Nobody saw me do it, and I didn't do it to impress anybody. I just did it to see if I could pull it off.
0: How is Shag Made?